0: It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Revelation is an intense book to wrap our minds around. Many people don't appreciate it because it's so confusing, or it seems to be. But today, Pastor JD reminds us that it's the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing to those who read it. Don't shy away from what you don't understand. Turn to God and ask Him your questions. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor JD with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 27th. 2022
1: For today's update, I have some very good news. It's very good news that all of us need to hear, and the good news is we are not in the seven-year tribulation just yet. We good? Should we close in prayer with that and Now, here's the thing. <laughs> We're very close. Which is actually if you think about it, good news in and of itself by virtue of the fact that Bible prophecy fulfilled in the tribulation is already beginning to happen right now prior to the tribulation. What I'm hoping to do today is address this matter by explaining the reasons as to why we are not cannot be in the seven-year tribulation yet. And here's why. There are those who believe that everything that's happening in the world today means that we must be in the tribulation. I have to confess that I was rather taken back when I learned that this belief was more prevalent and pronounced than what I had initially understood. So much so that after seeking the Lord, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit the elbow room, so to speak, as to whether or not to do a follow-up on this. And to do that, I'd like to extend an invitation to all of you who may be confused by this or battling with this, to email us through the website, jdfarag.org. Those of you here, if you'll just send in the email. As the Lord directs, we're going to read through them and inquire of the Lord about them, as we then carefully and prayerfully seek the Lord and petition the throne. Again, I had no idea. I was really quite blindsided, actually, when I learned of just how prevalent this is. And that's kind of sad and tragic, in a way. Now, if we don't do a follow-up on this, possibly as soon as next week, we may still revisit this at a future date, Lord willing, of course. Now, I need you to hear me uh, on this, and it's kind of a—it's uh, an introduction of sorts. It is not my intention to talk anyone into or out of anything. That is not my intention. And thankfully that's not in my job description, according to Scripture. Whew, pressure's off. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into all truth. So what I have to do then is to teach the truth and preach the Word. And that's what I'm going to do. So I want to settle this matter from Scripture and in so doing provide three biblical reasons as to why it is that we cannot be in this seven-year tribulation yet, and I'm hoping this will be an encouragement to you. The three reasons are as follows. Number one, the church hasn't been raptured yet. Number two, the covenant hasn't been enforced yet. And number three, the final kingdom of man hasn't ruled yet. Now, I need to preface this by providing the scriptural basis upon which the timeline of the end times is established. And thankfully, we need look no further than to the book of Revelation, the only book of all the books in the Bible that promises a blessing to those who read it, hear it, and take it to heart. No other book in the Bible promises a blessing to the one who reads it, hears it, and takes it to heart. Unique to this book is a built-in blessing. No other book has that blessing in it. And also unique to the book of Revelation is what one has affectionately referred to as a divine outline. And specifically, it's a wonderful chronological order in which the book of Revelation perfectly positions the prophetic events of the last days, and it's Revelation 1 verse 19. John is told by Jesus to write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The Greek word in the original is meta, meta meta-tauta, after, beyond, not to be confused with meta-verse. It's a whole different, I shouldn't even brought it up, but I did. After these things. So, in effect, John is told to write what was past, that he was an eyewitness of, what is now present, and after what's going to happen in the future. And that's the divine outline. Here's a chart. By the way, we have a a link to a PDF file of this along with another uh, chart I'm going to show you uh, later on. But I want to just go through this because it is so perfect in its timing of all of the end times events. Chapter 1 is past. That which you have seen, John, what did John see? John saw Jesus the Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, and glorified. That's chapter 1, past. Chapters 2 and 3, present, now, the church age, the seven letters to seven churches, literal, physical churches, In Asia Minor, we know it today, modern day, as the nation of Turkey. You can go visit these cities where these churches were, representative of the church age. We are living right now, as we speak, at the very end of the church age. And this is important, because when you get to chapter 4, specifically verse 1, everything is from that point on future slash rapture. What do you mean? Oh, chapter 4, verse 1, after these things, tauta, John is told to, at the sound of a trumpet, Revelation 4, 1, come up hither. He's taken up to heaven at the sound of a trumpet. Sound familiar? And from chapter 4, verse 1 on through the entire book of Revelation, he has a heaven's view of future events that will take place after the church age of chapters 2 and 3. So you get to chapter 6 on through to chapter 19. That is all about... The yet future, which we're not in yet, seven-year tribulation. And here's the thing, and this is so important. Please hear me on this. The word church is mentioned 19 times until you get to chapter 4, verse 1. During the tribulation, which is recorded in Revelation chapters 6 through 19, do you know how many times the word church is found? Zero. Nada. None. I'm trying to think of some other languages, but if I use the Arabic word, I'll spit on everybody in the front row. So I won't. Not one time do you Read the word church in chapters 6 through 19, dealing with the tribulation, because the church is not in the tribulation. Now, you do read about these martyred saints, and we'll talk about them shortly. That's not the church. Now, chapter 20, this is the millennium, also known as the kingdom age, that 1,000 year period of time here on earth, and it's mind-blowing, but the earth will be like it was pre-sin, pre-fall, in its state like the Garden of Eden for 1,000 years. That's the millennium. And then chapters 21 and 22 are about the new heavens and the new earth in eternity future. So can we take this template, this timeline, this divine outline, and just kind of hold on to it and superimpose it on what we're going to talk about and see next? I'm actually asking you if we can do that. Thank you so much. It's with this fundamental understanding that we're now better able to take and tackle the topic of why we are not in the tribulation. While this is not... Exhaustive in the sense that there are numerous scriptural reasons, it is comprehensive with the main reasons. So, these are in order the three aforementioned reasons which firmly establish I'm wording this this way for a reason firmly establish the sound doctrine, sound doctrine that we're not in the seven-year tribulation. We can't be. Now, we're extremely close, but it cannot have started yet because the church has not been raptured yet. I'm starting with this one because the belief that we're in the tribulation requires certain presuppositions concerning the rapture, namely, that of the rapture no longer taking place prior to the seven-year tribulation, which in effect postpones it and reschedules it sometime in the seven-year tribulation. And by that I mean, if we're already now in the seven-year tribulation, that means now the rapture has to happen during the seven-year tribulation. And there are additional presuppositions included with this, such as the Antichrist would now already have to have been revealed at this time. If we're in the seven-year tribulation, that means the Antichrist has to have been revealed. Even worse, in terms of Biblical inaccuracy is the presupposition that the Antichrist isn't revealed until the middle of the tribulation. This was probably the most shocking to me. (laughs) Um, we'll, We'll talk about this in a moment, but if this weren't bad enough, this belief that The Antichrist. Okay, so the Antichrist hasn't been revealed, but we're still in the tribulation. Okay, so when is the Antichrist going to be revealed? Oh, in the middle of the tribulation. Oh, really? So now what you've done is you've focused the Christian's attention on the Antichrist, not Jesus Christ, and the devil couldn't be happier. Oh, he's so happy exactly what he wanted to do. It shouldn't really come as any surprise, given that one would have to twist Scripture into a prophetic pretzel (laughs) to reschedule the Antichrist's revelation for the middle of the tribulation. See, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Revelation chapter 11 verses 1 through 3. John is told, he's given this read, says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there, but exclude the outer court. Do not measure it, because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. That's three and a half years. And I will give power to my two witnesses in the tribulation, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. Now, why do I point this out? Because this has nothing to do with the Antichrist revelation or the start of the tribulation. This is about the temple. You say, wait a minute, what about Daniel 9.27? Hold on, we'll get to Daniel 9.27. Other reasons for believing were already in the tribulation, include the overemphasizing of Shemitah cycles, jubilee years, and blood moons. Add to this the presupposition that the time of Jacob's trouble, also known as the 70th week of Daniel, has already commenced. Now we'll get to that shortly, but kindly Allow me to first resolve the matter of both the timing of the rapture and subsequently the revelation of the Antichrist. Now, please, this is sound doctrine. This is sound doctrine. This is not theory. This is sound doctrine. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to read verses 1 through 8. And the version that I want to read from is the 1599 Geneva Bible. It predates the 1611 King James Version, and there's a reason for it. Verse 1, the Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians in the context of the rapture. They were greatly concerned. They were deeply disturbed. And we're going to see why here in a moment. So here's what Paul writes by the Holy Spirit. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling unto Him. That's the rapture. That's the rapture. How so? Assembling? We talked about Hebrews. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, not gathering. See, I can gather my watch parts here. It's not functional. It has to be assembled. That's an assembling together unto Him. Notice it doesn't say when He comes down unto us. No. That's the second coming. And notice the delineation, just in verse (laughs) 1. we better move a little bit faster here, but just bear with me. This delineation of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is the second coming, and the assembling unto Him is the rapture, and that's the whole context of this letter. His first letter too, by the way. Now verse 2, that ye be not suddenly moved from your mind nor troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as it were from us, as though the day of Christ were at hand. In other words, boy, nothing new under the sun. Apparently, there was a forged letter bearing the Apostle Paul's name that was circulating around Thessalonica, that was basically saying, we're in the tribulation. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's happening now. It's like the Thessalonians then watched YouTube videos with guys telling them that you're in the tribulation either missed the rapture, or it's been delayed, or now the rapture isn't going to happen before the seven-year tribulation. No wonder they're moved, shaken. No wonder they're troubled, disturbed, discouraged, and that discouragement giving way to despair. Because isn't it true that if this were true, and it's not, thank God, And we were actually in the tribulation right now. Um, How do I say this? Well, I probably wouldn't be standing here right now. Uh, I'd be stockpiling, prepping. Um, I'd be hunkering down, not looking up. I'd be hunkering down, getting ready for, and instead of looking up because my redemption draws near because now this this changes everything. This is a game changer. No wonder they're discouraged. And isn't it interesting in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 17, key rapture verse, by the way. I don't know how, I don't have time to go there, nor does my blood pressure allow it. So let me just say it. You know, first Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. I love this verse. I love this verse, my favorite verse in all the Bible along with all the other verses in all the Bible. The trumpet's going to sound. And it's the trumpet call of God, not the angels. There's two trumpets in Scripture, two purposes. The trumpet call of God is for the church. The trumpet call of angels is for Israel. Please make that distinction. That's going to come into play here in a moment. Very important. It's the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ rise first. Those are all those loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord in spirit, absent from the body. They get their new glorified bodies first. Real quick explanation, best I ever heard. It's likened unto a light bulb. So we're created in God's image, triune in nature. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, we're triune in nature, body, soul, and spirit. So what happens when you die? Well, your body goes into the ground from where it was created, dust to dust. Your spirit goes back to the source. The Holy Spirit seals us for redemption. The Apostle Paul said it this way, Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So those loved ones of ours, my daughter, my mom, I hope my dad, I believe by faith my dad and all the other loved ones, many of which over the years from this church that I've done the memorial services for, they're already present with the Lord in spirit. When that trumpet sounds, their bodies, their glorified bodies are going to resurrect and they're going to get their bodies first.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor JD. If what Pastor JD shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward.